I'd like to talk today primarily about the letter to Timothy, and I'll touch on the gospel a little bit at the end. Timothy is one of a group of four letters ascribed to Paul, known as the pastoral letter, which were probably actually written by later Christian teachers. This was not dishonesty, but rather a tribute to Paul that his teachings might continue following his death. There is plenty of scholarship about these and other letters not being written by Paul himself, and much has been written about it. If you are interested, you may pursue it. For my purposes, I consider that they are a part of the Bible, which like the rest of it has been divinely inspired, and as such, I value them no matter who actually wrote them. For convenience, I will refer to the author of 1 Timothy as Paul, rather than the common but more awkward the author of this letter. Now, the passage today talks about a familiar theme. The love of money is the root of all evil. I think this is well understood, but I will note that many people shorten it to money is the root of all evil when it is actually the love of money, which is the problem. Having money can be looked on as a gift from God, and like all gifts, It is to be used in God's service. We often speak here in the church of our time and treasure, the time we give to help others, as well as the material things we give, which can be money or clothing or food or what have you. The value of money is in what use it is put to. It is not an end in itself. One can love money too much, to the point where one accumulates it for its own sake, just as one might accumulate too many shoes or cars, or in my case, vinyl records. <laughs> I'm sure I don't really need to own all those shelves of LPs, but at least I don't worship them. I listen to them. I use them as they were meant to be used. Similarly, money is meant to be used to buy food and clothing and other items and to help others who don't have that gift in abundance. Pardon me. In preparing this sermon, I looked at the context, the sections of 1 Timothy, which appear before and after today's passage. This is always a good idea, where we get a clearer idea of Paul's argument. And in the paragraph just before our reading, Paul writes, Whoever does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that is in accordance with godliness is conceited, understanding nothing, and has a morbid craving for controversy and for disputes about words. From these come envy, dissension, slander, base suspicion, and wrangling, among those who are depraved in mind and bereft of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Well, Paul pulls no punches. But the bit that grabbed me was the last sentence. Those who imagine that godliness is a means of gain. One thinks immediately of the prosperity gospel, which seems to be floating around these days with some ministers assuring their congregations that if they follow Christ, they'll get rich and have lovely houses and fast cars to drive. 
This is so patently wrong that it's not even worth discussing. But another point comes to mind. If godliness is not a means of gain, why do we follow Christ? Most of the things we do, we do in the hope of gain of some kind. It may be gain for ourselves, or it may benefit someone else. We work a job in order to support ourselves and our families so we can buy food and shelter and clothing and other things. We take up hobbies, such as woodworking or playing a musical instrument for the pleasure they bring. We donate our time and treasure to help others who are less fortunate. This is gain for them, and we may consider it a gain in satisfaction for ourselves, doing what we consider to be the right thing. But why do we follow Christ? We might answer, because Christ asks us to follow him. If we have faith that Christ is who he says he is, the son of God and the savior of the world, then those are strong reasons to follow him. In following Christ, we acknowledge the way the world works, a world created and sustained by God in which faith is important. This will mean nothing to one who does not believe that God created the world. Their worldview will be different. But for a Christian, living in the world means following Christ. It is not always an easy road following him, but it is really the only road to follow. Or we might answer, I follow Christ because I was brought up that way. Tradition and family influence are important. In his final words to the Israelites before his death, Moses tells them to teach their children the ways of the Lord. You shall put these words of mine in your heart and soul, teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Parents who have a strong faith will naturally want to do this anyway. Or we might answer, I follow Christ because he promises eternal life to those who have faith in him. That is certainly gain, though not in the monetary sense that Paul uses the word in his letter to Timothy. Paul says elsewhere that he considers his former life before he encountered Christ to be as lost compared to what he has gained in knowing Christ. And this gain is tremendous. Think of the care you have received from God, the guidance, the comfort, and the love that you have found in a close relationship with Christ. I think of those who live in this world without knowing Christ to be losers indeed, when they could so easily choose to believe and be welcomed into Christ's open arms. The alternative to following Christ is made clear in our gospel reading. The rich man in the story has had great wealth and comfort, sumptuous meals, beautiful clothes. But in the end, he is alone and separated from God. Even God's representative, Abraham, cannot come to him while poor Lazarus is being comforted and cared for. The rich man did nothing positively to hurt Lazarus, 
in their lifetimes, as far as we know. He just ignored him. He let Lazarus wither away and die at his very doorstep when he could so easily, out of his great wealth, have given him a bit of food and water at the very least. And now it is too late for that. What he might have done so easily is now impossible for him. He has lost forever the power to help Lazarus and indeed himself. So we might follow Christ because we don't want to end up like that rich man. And although this may seem like a selfish reason, acting on it is actually a positive step for by helping others, we are doing what Jesus wants us to do. The faith in God, the relationship with him is everything. Through that faith, we naturally want to help our neighbor and an impulse to serve, which might have started out as selfish, becomes a positive way of life, a life of service to God through serving God's people. All these reasons to follow Christ can be good ones. And I believe that examining our faith on a regular basis is valuable. Look into yourselves in prayer and see with what love Jesus will help you to grow your faith.